You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcast. You just subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 in Lexington along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Today, we are talking about, of course, the Kentucky-Georgia Tech game. Uh, a lot of takeaways from that one, and a lot of stuff that Calipari said. We'll discuss that. UK women's basketball team nearly knocked off Louisville. It was uh, a heartbreaker for them. Uh, but we begin with Ohio State going down, one of uh, UK's, well, UK's opponent on Saturday, coming up uh, this Saturday. Ohio State had been unbeaten, uh, goes to the barn in Minnesota, and provides Richard Patino with his first win over a top-five-ranked team, 84-71. Minnesota takes it, and Ohio State uh, is now just the next in a long line of teams to lose uh, inexplicably. You know, I mean, the the losses, some of these have been against quality opponents, but a lot of them have been uh, to teams like uh, Minnesota, which had just lost to Iowa by 20 in their previous game, had just four wins this season. Um, and, and now they, they knock off Ohio State. Now, in that game for Ohio State, though, uh, Caleb Wesson, you know, their, their star, their big guy, um, he, he had foul trouble and didn't play much. Uh, I think he, had, he picked up his, like, his fourth foul with about 14 minutes ago, but it was more than that. Uh, Minnesota uh, just took it to them. I mean, they got this uh, Pittsburgh transfer, Marcus Carr, had 35 points. Uh, their big guy, Minnesota's Daniel Latour, who had 14 points and 13 rebounds. And and then, boom, that was that. Gophers. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to tell you, the Big Ten standings right now are sort of just a snapshot of college basketball in 2019 slash 2020 here here they are michigan state is the top to standings at one and oh it is there are only two teams that haven't played two conference games we'll get to that we'll <laughs> yeah. get to that michigan state is one and oh followed by uh 13 teams yeah. who are one and one <laughs> and then uh, i'm sorry 12 teams that are one and one uh and then one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve twelve i i can never remember how many teams are actually in the big 10 it's 14 uh, cause, yeah, cause it's not, 10. <laughs> it's not it's even not 12 10. the big 14 <laughs> yeah. so okay michigan state's one and oh now after ohio state's loss there are 12 one and one teams and then the only other team that hasn't played two games in the conference is Northwestern. And by the way, in the Big Ten, road teams are 0-13. And Michigan State heads to Northwestern. Michigan, <laughs> Michigan State is 1-0. Northwestern is 0-1. And if the if it holds and all 14 and it becomes 0-14 for the road teams, then all 14 teams in the in the Big Ten will be one and one. Uh, I really, I really need that to happen, but that I mean that's that's college basketball this year. It's not it's not just the Big Ten. It's 
There's a ton of parity. There are no great teams. Um, and, you know, just look at, I mean, things are, things are, the landscape's like reshaping itself every week. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. we were like, oh, Ohio State and, and Louisville now, maybe they're going to be one, two, you know, when Kentucky plays them, uh, you know, maybe they're both going to end up being number one at some point before Kentucky plays them. Louisville loses to a three-loss, not just three-loss Texas Tech team, but a, but a Texas Tech team that had lost three in a row mm-hmm. and did not have its best player. And then Ohio State goes and lays an egg against a, a four and what had been a four and five Minnesota team. And now is, is anybody unbeatable? <laughs> I mean, no. there's, hard, there's hardly any unbeatens left in college basketball. Uh, well, Ohio State was one of five. Okay. So, so after them now, it is. I'll start from the bottom up. Like Duquesne, <laughs> Liberty doesn't, doesn't count. Doesn't count. Uh, and then it is Auburn. It counts. Is, uh, Auburn yeah. counts. Auburn's good, man. They're, I think they came in thirteenth and and uh, to the weekend, and they beat St. Louis. And uh, there's they, they lost all those guys, and they're still really good. And then San Diego State. That's it. Wow. So only one real team. Those are the four um, yeah. that's played any real teams. You know the other. So I guess what I would say is, and we're going to talk about Kentucky in the second segment, and specifically that Georgia Tech game, what we make of them right now. But in terms of what's coming up, they got Utah and Vegas on Wednesday. They got Ohio State in Vegas on Saturday, and then a week later, Louisville at home. Uh, you know. There's there's no like, oh my gosh, I don't know if they can win this. <laughs> there's that that doesn't that's not even a thing anymore. Right. I don't know that anybody, I, you know, with with all the talent Kentucky has, especially they and a handful of other teams. There's nobody that like if they get going on a given day that they can't beat, um, because everybody's flawed. And, and the other thing to me, Kansas will probably move to number one now. Ohio State would have had a really strong case. Uh, had they not laid an egg on the eve of the poll coming out, <laughs> unless I mean maybe some people have already maybe people have already cast their vote. I can't even remember how they uh, what the deadlines are and stuff on AP voting, AP voting because I never want to be an AP basketball voter. It is just way too much <laughs> crap to follow. Um, but I I just tweeted this a few minutes ago as we we're recording it. Maybe Oregon's the best team in the country. Kansas is probably going to be number one. But Oregon, they have two losses, but they just won a an overtime game at Michigan. Yeah, that was big. And they are five total points away from not only being undefeated, but having wins over Memphis, Houston, Seton Hall, Gonzaga, North Carolina, and Michigan. North Carolina lost a, to Walford, by the way. Today. Yeah, North Carolina is <laughs> not very good right now, but they also their two best players were out today, I believe. I believe Leaky, Bell, Leaky Black and, um, uh, oh, geez, Greg Anthony's son, Cole Anthony. Cole, I, think, yeah. I think both sat out. That's a bad loss either way, but, um, yeah. I mean, Cole Anthony is the whole team. Uh, and they be, the, you know, Oregon, Oregon has a really good resume. They're a really good team. Yeah. Um, to me, they, I mean, honestly, they might, they might be the best team in the country. Right now, and they don't have Infali Dante yet, who apparently dressed out at least for that game Saturday. So, um, a name familiar with Kentucky fans because uh, it was a guy they really tried to get. 
Um, yeah. So again, I, I just think it's wide, wide the hell open <laughs> college no, basketball this year. And I like it. I mean, I, I love, I love the just total chaos. It's, I mean, I, I absolutely want Northwestern to beat Michigan state so that yes. everybody in the big 10 is one and one. That would be uh, great, and it would be fourteen and zero for the and, uh, yeah uh, yeah home teams. the home the home teams would be undefeated that that I don't, that has to be like a almost never or never thing in major college uh, basketball uh, conferences, but but with this madness, I mean, this goes to what Calipari preaches has been preaching this season is fight. I mean, for, for a team that is fighting and clawing, you know, tooth and nail. You're gonna have a chance because no one is like overly talented. You're not, you're not outmatched, especially Kentucky talent-wise. But um, you know, Wednesday Kentucky plays Utah. Utah is a team uh, that beat Minnesota, which just beat Ohio State. They beat Minnesota by three back on November fifteenth. Uh, but the lone loss Utah has was to Tulane. Uh, I mean, their nice win is they won over BYU in overtime, beating Mark Pope, uh, 102-95. BYU just picked up a nice win over the weekend. I can't remember who they beat. Um, but um, I just wonder about that particular with, – with with the way this thing is, with like Minnesota getting up today and beating – or getting up Sunday and beating Ohio State. You know, what's to stop a Utah <laughs> from doing the same, you know, from getting up here? It's a showcase – Hey, we're in prime time, at least in mountain time. Um, and, and here's our shot against Kentucky in Las Vegas on – no, they knocked off Utah State. It's who BYU just beat. Utah State was ranked. And they beat him yesterday 68-64. So, th- so that's the kind of madness that I could see, you know, happening in Vegas uh, this week if, if Kentucky's not ready to go. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Utah – has scored 143 in a game this year. <laughs> uh, scored 102 in an overtime win over BYU. Scored 98. I mean, these are bad teams. Central Arkansas. Yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting. Uh, Utah's just right on the cusp of being a top 100 t- team in Ken Palm, eight and two. Um, I mean. Let's see. As far as Kentucky opponents, let's go by going by Ken Palm rankings. They will be the third highest ranked opponent of the season for Kentucky, uh, at 107. Really? Yeah, because number five Michigan State. These are just Ken Palm rankings. Number five Michigan State, number 93 Georgia Tech that they just beat by 14, uh, and then the team they lost to was 171 Evansville. <laughs> um, which what has Evansville even done? They've lost three games since beating Kentucky. Lost three three in a row. In fact, um, they just won one this weekend because I saw something about. Yeah, no, they've won. They've won five. They they beat Kentucky. They beat a, a like NAIA team or something that I can't believe they played in the regular season. Indiana Kokomo, uh, and then lost three in a row, and then they have now won five in a row, playing more at their level of competition. Um, but. Uh, they're they're eight and three Evansville and like I said 171st in Ken Palm so <laughs> uh, it was a little I, I wouldn't say fluky but I, I do think it was like you you definitely caught Kentucky uh, thinking a young Kentucky team thinking they were hot bleepity bleep and uh, right. gonna roll at home and they didn't um, but 
if an Evan, if an Evansville can beat this Kentucky team, I mean, Utah could certainly give them a, a challenge. I think. I think. And if you're if all eyes are on the Ohio State game, um, you know that's another sort of trap type element for a mm-hmm. team with a yeah. bunch of freshmen. All right, well, you need to get to a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about, we'll get into that Georgia Tech uh, win that Kentucky had over the weekend. And uh, we'll also talk UK women's basketball against Louisville. Uh, first, if you're a Spotify listener, you Spotify wrapped to show us your top locked on podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at locked on live and at D R I E F F E R and at Kyle Tucker underscore A T H. Do that on Twitter and we will share. And retweet. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. So Kentucky uh, pulls away from Georgia Tech, uh, goes on a 20 to 10, uh, outscores Georgia Tech 20 to 10 over the last 10 minutes of the game. Uh, First, um, I guess, quarter, if you want to call it, of the game, Georgia Tech was, was. you know, light in Kentucky. I mean, torch in their defense. I mean, Kentucky was little resistance. And then Kentucky clamped down and held Georgia Tech scoreless for about five minutes, went on a, a run there, and then extended that run uh, into the second half and got up by 12. And then you looked up, and all of a sudden Georgia Tech was within three and had three consecutive three-point, wide-open three-point shots. Uh, if any one of those go down, it's a tie game. They don't. Emmanuel quickly hits a three on the other end, and then Kentucky pulls away. Uh, but um, most impressive, without a doubt, was what Ashton Higgins did uh, against this team. I mean, he he shot the ball well. Uh, he finished at the rim. He distributed it. Uh, he, I mean, he was a scorer. He just he kind of did what he wanted. He was a little bit sloppy, which Calipari talks about six turnovers, but you know, twenty one point seven assists, seven rebounds. In total control. Yeah, you know, the the turnovers were, I think, all kind of like him being a little cocky. Not cocky, but uh, just, I, I think that's maybe not right, the, the right word. I think overly aggressive. Like, he just wanted to, like, make a play every time down. And sometimes he just needed to back it off a little bit. Um, but that aggressiveness has, has served him well. Um and he's on this, I mean, he's, he's what is this, sixth? I think his sixth straight really good game. Um, in the last six, he's averaging 16.3 points, 8.3 assists, 4.3 rebounds, and 1.7 steals. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, and, the, and the most interesting thing of the night is I, I believe Josh Pastner is the first person, uh, reasonably credible person, to come out and call Ashton Hagen's quote unquote a surefire first round pick. Yeah. Um, and Cal Perry made the if there's a better point guard, I got to see it. But he didn't right. say he's a first round pick. <laughs> uh, nobody's got him in the first round, I don't think, um, right now. But I mean, if he's going to keep shooting it the way he did, um, the fact that he hit a two out of his three three pointers, that he uh, hit eight of ten shots, and and some of those were high degree of difficulty. I asked him about that last night, you know, for more than a year, people like me are, are saying like, what is the deal with your finishing at the rim? Yeah. Uh, and he's finally, I mean, he made some high degree of difficulty shots in the lane. One yeah. over there, six ten guy 
uh, drove and scooped it up over his outstretched hand. He said basically the managers are beating him up in practice with the pads, and they're using mm-hmm. that long padded pole to make him float it up over top. Um, and he said, you know, that that's just helped. You know, I've just worked on it. And, uh, you know, 21-7-7 seven and seven is a very, very good game, even with the turnovers. <laughs> yeah. um, he kind of made everything go. You know, he just he's just in command. And he, he was so in command. And, in, and then against that zone, just he, he just made it all happen. Uh, yeah, the they were he, running him on the baseline. They had some. I thought they had some really good plays uh, yeah. designed to attack that zone. Um, he's been very good. And the the other person that really stood out in that game to me, one that he found a lot in the last two games, um, was Keon Brooks, and that's who I pretty much focused on and what I wrote for the Athletic. Um, I thought Keon Brooks would be. Um, probably the kind of the X factor type guy for this team going into the season. I thought he would certainly between he and Khalil Whitney, I thought he would emerge eventually as the, as the more dangerous weapon because I think he's more skilled. Um, I had it the other way. I thought it was Whitney. I I thought Keon would maybe be the eighth guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, Whitney's a better athlete and a more impressive physical specimen, uh, better defender, but, you know, if you saw Keon in, in on the AAU circuit or in high school, he's a he's got some polish to his game offensively. He's got a nice looking jumper. Um, he's got some moves. He can handle it a little bit. He can pass it. Um, and but he just he's really, a skilled basketball player. Yes, as John as Calipari, Calipari said. Yeah. yeah, and he's you know he's he's six seven with like a seven two wingspan. Um, you know, in the in the before his last two games, in the four games before that, he was only averaging four shot attempts and five points a game. Uh, and that at that time, back in like December 6th, Calipari is when he came out and said, I've got two words for the next two weeks, fight and finish. If you want to play, fight. Uh, and I asked Keon, Keon about that. I said, like, you're trying to get on the floor. You're, you know, you're struggling to get minutes. You're struggling to get opportunities on this crowded roster, when you hear the, the coach say something as cut and dried as that, like, if you want to play, show me you'll fight, does that make it easier? Like, is that, is that where you say, like, I see my, my, my opening here? And he, he just grinned and said, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, just fight. And he said, I just try to fight every procession. So he, he's clearly doing that. He's, I think you've seen him give an energy and an effort that, Cal has looked for, and and that even when he's not scoring, you notice it. Um, but because he is, he's getting some more opportunities. I think he's getting some more confidence. He said he get when he plays good defense, it makes him it kind of gets his offense going. And over the last two games, he's played 42 minutes, scored 28, 25 points, taken 18 shots, and made 10 of them. Um, yeah. And the other thing, he had no block shots and one steal for the whole season before these last two games. He's got two blocks, including one vicious block at the rim against Georgia Tech, and two steals just in the last two games. So he's, he's got nine rebounds in the last couple games. He's stepped up just about every aspect of his game, and I think we knew Ashton Higgins was good. This was just a continuation of a good, really strong sophomore season. Um, but what Keon did to me 
is maybe the what he's done the last two games is maybe the most important development for the season moving forward. Um, because I, you know, EJ disappeared. He goes twenty five points, career yeah. high sixteen, career high twenty five, back to back. Oh, maybe he's put it together. Then he goes lays a complete egg, zero points, over four from the field. Bad um, defensively. Bad. I mean, he was just bad. Uh, That's why Brooks was in there. Brooks was able to stay in front of his guy. Montgomery would get blown by. And they started the three guards. They started the three guards plus EJ and Nick. And then they finished the game with the three guards plus Keon plus Nick. And that, to me, is your best lineup until EJ proves he can do it every night. Uh, He's, you know, I would say EJ's got a higher ceiling. He's bigger. He's probably a better talent than Keon Brooks, but I think I would trust Keon to play hard every night over EJ right now. Uh, and the fact that they finished that game that was a little bit tight at the end and they were trying to make sure they finished it off, they finished it with that grouping with Keon in it uh, was telling to me. And I think I'd start those guys. I'd start the three guards and Keon and Nick Richards um, and send a message to EJ, bring it every yeah. night or go back to the bench. I agree 100%. Um, I mean – Quickly, and and this goes all the way back to media day, is I can remember after media day when John Calipari said, Quickly's a different dude, talking to Emmanuel Quickly. Yeah, I've changed. Then we get to see just enough of practice to see Quickly finish first in conditioning drills. And I went, he's got to play him. Yeah, I mean, everything that you you, um, hold up and, and preach that this is how you earn your minutes and earn your time, He's doing. So if you don't play him, you're a false, you know, you're putting stuff out there that's not, you're not standing behind it. So, uh, and he admitted that after the game, did Calipari, that basically, yeah, I like the three-guard lineup. Those three deserve to play Hagen's maxing quickly. And it's going to hurt Johnny Juzang and Khalil Whitney, but what am I going to do? I, I hate it, and I want to bring those guys along. But I can't not play these three guys. I mean, here we go. We're about to hit conference season. Yeah. I got to play these three guys. I can't. I gave you guys a chance. He talked them up. He's. I mean, how many times he said Johnny Juzang deserves to play more? And oh, he made the greatest play of the entire ball game. And uh, Cleo Whitney, he's going to have a breakout any minute, any any game now. I'm telling you, he's going to go eight for eight. And you know what hadn't happened. And now it's 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 go time. It's it's moving time. And so he's got to play. I mean, Maxi was the guy who held Michael DeVoe, um, the ACC's leading scorer, at 21.4 points a game to two of 11 shooting and five points. And that was Maxie's defense. Maxie himself wound up going 0 for 9, but that defense um, was a big part of it. And then when you combine the numbers of Hagen's Maxie quickly, they had 15 of the team's 18 assists. They had 17, half of the team's 34 rebounds and 43 of the 67 points. I mean, you have to start those guys. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with Maxie that on a night he missed all nine of his shots, that he had seven rebounds, six assists, two or three steals. He played a really good game for a guy. played 38 minutes, by the way, um, yeah. for a guy who was struggling offensively. And then quickly, as you mentioned, 16 points, uh, hit a couple more threes, had, I think, two or three steals. Um He's been really good for them, kind of quietly really good, averaging twelve over twelve points a game. Steady, you good know. He's shooting ninety three and a half percent from the free throw line, thirty seven percent from three, um, and and lately it's been a, a more of an uptick in that department. Um, 
I, yeah, I, I said before the season started that I would I would play the three guards heavily, um, yeah. and I, I certainly stand by that now. All right, we got to take another break. When we come back, we'll discuss uh, UK women's basketball over Louisville and still talk a little bit more about this uh, UK Georgia Tech. Uh, a few more takeaways from that. When we come back on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. This is Locked On Kentucky. Your team every day. All right, back here on Locked on Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And we were discussing um, UK basketball, uh, win over Georgia Tech, and a few few takeaways there. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention that I just happened to notice uh, looking over some stuff is Ashton Hankins is now one point away from tying Nick Richards for the leading scorer on the team. Yeah, Which, so he'll lead the team in points, uh, assists, steals. and steals. Yeah. Free throws. <laughs> but here we go with Nick Richards. He has 12 points. He blocks um, four shots. What did he wind up with? Four rebounds, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And, and and Calipari, for the second week in a row, second game in a row, calls him out afterwards. Ah, Nick reverted in practice. He's And I told him it was coming. I told him. Yeah. And I might have jinxed him, but I told him it was coming. And sure enough, and- he, he had a game like this. And this was his sixth consecutive game in double figure scoring and 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 he leads the team in rebounding and scoring and block shots and field goal percentage and yep. so i i get that calipari i guess is is moving on to the next phase of what he demands from nick richards he's gotten to this point and now he's got to demand more and get him to another so i mean i can't blame him for that but i, I just wonder um if maybe has Nick graduated mentally to a point where he can handle it, where previously maybe he couldn't. Yeah, I think you know the other thing is this: it's the difference between you know outsiders and the guy who's got to coach this team. Like from the outside, you say if you could get this out of Nick Richards a year ago, you take it and you say good job. So why complain about it? But if you're if you're Cal Perry, you have to be the guy. And I would even rewind you back to. Uh, Nashville last season, I think it was in January, uh, maybe the second or third game in in PJ Washington's total breakout, where he just yeah. went on a heater. Yeah, it was two or three games into that in Nashville. I remember sitting there asking Cal about something about that, and him saying, uh, "I'm not going to let him go back down the hill. Like right. we're, we're halfway up the mountain." And I'm not going to let him roll back. Yeah. You know, I've got to keep pushing him. Um, and I think that's where he is with Nick. Is you know, he's halfway up the mountain. Finally, finally. I mean, it, he was at base camp. <laughs> he rolled back down to base camp about <laughs> about a dozen times. But you know, they're halfway up the mountain, and he doesn't want to let him go back. And so he's going to keep pushing. And I do think, you know, I don't think Cal's BSing really because he predicted this before the Georgia Tech game. He told us like Nick is. Nick is getting cocky in practice. I'm telling you, he's if, yeah, he and if did. you do it in practice, it's going to happen in the game. Um, and the biggest thing is rebounding. It's it's not finding a guy to block out. You know, it's taking off running. It's it's rebounding with one hand. There was there was probably three to five rebounds that just kind of sailed close enough to Nick Richards. He should have come down with them, um, and he didn't. And if he does that, if he gets five more rebounds. If you go 12, 9, and 4, nobody's saying a thing. Plus, if you get a couple of those rebounds, they're offensive. You put them back in, you got 15, 9, and 4. Um, but all that said, 
I don't have to coach Nick Richards, and I can say if you got 12-4-4 four, and four out of Nick Richards against a, a real team, not one of these uh, you know, cupcakes that you played for most of this, this month, um, against a real Georgia Tech team, against a real big guy, a 6'10", 250 guy who yeah. came in averaging a double-double basically, you'd be thrilled. And so I think in the back, in his heart of hearts, Calipari is still pretty damn thrilled with Nick Richards. Um, yeah. But he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna let him fall back. And and I thought, some he said somebody said, you know, why why are you pushing him like this? And he said, I want him to be the best big man in the country. You know why? Because I truly believe he's capable of it. And I don't know if that's true. I don't know if he's got a chance to be the best big man in the country. But there are very he said who's his size with his athleticism, and that I'll agree with him on. There yes. are not five players in America who are seven feet with a seven five wingspan who can run and jump like Nick Richards. So, no doubt about it. Um, you know, keep pushing him and see what comes comes out of that enormous body of his. And I'll remember what the one other thing I'll say before we move on here is that you know Calipari said that somebody called him or a scout told him or something that if Nick Richards will just run the floor and and be the first one down. Uh, either end, offensively or defensively, he will, he'll just take off. And uh, in that drill I was talking about in the preseason, Nick Richards was the guy who finished second. And I was like, my gosh, I'm looking at Khalil Whitney, Tyrese Maxey, Ashton Haggins, and and it's Nick Richards who's coming in second in a running drill. Uh, So that, that told me something there as well. And maybe that's what Calipari's seen. Is he's seen what he was doing and then he goes, ah, you're not you're not giving me what I got. You're not giving yeah. me what you were giving me, and I need to see it. Okay, quickly here, because uh, we're running out of time. But the UK women's basketball team, they built uh, a lead on Louisville um, in the second quarter. They were they were down at the end of the first quarter, and then they, they got on a run and went into halftime uh, up 40-31, I believe. And then in the third quarter, with like three minutes to go in the third quarter, uh, Sabrina Haynes hit a three to put them up 10. So that's 55-45 with three minutes to go in the third quarter. And in a snap of a finger, in those last three minutes of the third quarter, Louisville took off on a 13-0 run and and left that third quarter with a 58-55 lead. Uh, Then in the fourth quarter, it was just kind of a slugfest back and forth. Uh, They're trading buckets back and forth. Uh, By the way, Ryan Howard had 20 points in that first half. Fourth quarter, um, it's a tie ball game, 64-all like just under two minutes left. And this girl from Louisville hits a three at the top of the key, 67-64. UK gets a couple of free throws to make it a one-point game. And then with about 15 seconds left, Louisville misses a shot. UK gets the rebound and goes down for a chance to win it. Ryan Howard gets a nice look that she created, a little step-back three, clean look, and it just goes off the back of the iron. She winds up with uh, 26 points. And that's how UK loses that game. But they had opportunities to win it. Uh, the biggest number was they were out-rebounded 37-17. to 17. And that's because this has been Kentucky's problem and Matthew Mitchell's issue for as long as he's been here. And it's the difference that separates his team from the ones that go to the Final Four, that are able to go past the Elite Eight. And that is the size of your interior players. And Louisville has had it. Um, and that, that's why they've been to Final Fours. Mississippi State, Texas A&M on and on, and Kentucky's just not had it. And 
and they've had to make up for it with uh, defense, scrappy play, and they've done a great job at it. But the cold, hard truth is Kentucky's size is just going to hurt them again and again, and it did against Louisville. And that being said, they still had a shot at the buzzer for the win. That was a clean look. Yeah, I mean, that as good as Howard has been, imagine like where she is in the uh, in the Kentucky lore if she nails that shot to beat absolutely beat, beat Louisville and vault you up into the top ten. Um, I I think what I take from it is for all the stuff you just mentioned, the fact that they had a shot in the air to beat that team, team that at one point looked like maybe the best team in the country. Right, um, got up to number two nationally. S- signals that Kentucky is at least a contender, I think. Um, you know, it helps, to have, yeah. helps to have one of the best players in America. <laughs> uh, the National the fresh, freshman, the national of, the freshman yeah. of the year, yeah. Um, I don't know I don't know enough. Is Treasure Hunt a big a big or a guard? Well, it looks like 6'2 six, six, wing. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I mean, 6'2 is a is a kind of a big so i mean she's got good size no but they don't either. have one of those like six foot seven <laughs> no uh, six or five, even six, six five four. you know wide-bodied uh players that just dominate in women's college basketball um you know that's something they they need uh, i don't i don't know how realistic it is i mean i assume that in in women's college basketball those players are like uh you know five-star nose tackles in the sec like yeah, you know they're they're at a premium, and the and the uh, the established powerhouses get all of them. Well, he did have a couple of them there. Um, I can't remember both of their names. One transferred to South Carolina, uh, and he lost the other one during that stretch where everybody jumped. The, the one we talked about, where they where the, the whole program was basically yeah. off the rails. Yeah, yeah. And and right. I would say that that's the other thing that I take away from from uh, this game today is it. It speaks to Matthew Mitchell's, uh, I guess, cult of personality that he could pull this thing out of the ditch and get it to the point that they were, again, had, had a shot in the air to beat uh, a top 10 rival um, that was number two, what, a week and a half ago? Um, yeah. So, but yeah, he's, uh, he's, I, it'll, be, it'll be interesting now to follow. Like, the SEC is like, in it, like it is in about every sport is – a brutal gauntlet, but uh, yeah, it, it would seem that Kentucky's got a chance to be in that mix of teams that you know going into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament again. Oh, they will be. I think, uh, and this year, um, this year is the best since you know before it went downhill. Like he had built it up to a certain point, and they were getting to elite eights, and right there on the cusp, and then you know took a step back and now they're over that and he's back, back to where he was. So um, yeah, kudos for him for finding a way to uh, making the moves and doing the things he needed to do to bring it back. But yeah, you add treasure hunt to this team next year as well. That's going to be, that's going to be big. But by the way, that was Kentucky's first loss of the season. Uh, They were undefeated before that number 14 ranked. I think Uh, there are only like six teams. Uh, There were eight Sorry, there were eight ranked teams that were still undefeated going into today. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. We're uh, we're overtime. Um, we Again. still got uh, 
Plenty to talk about to preview this uh, UK-Utah matchup on Wednesday night. And then we did not discuss any UK football. And there is some UK football worthy of discussion. We heard from Lynn Bowden over the weekend and Mark Stoops. And we'll talk about that on the next Locked On Kentucky podcast. Thanks for listening today. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can uh, you know, tweet us questions, comments, whatever. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at? Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.